like even if you don't follow an influencer, there are aspects of the influencer culture slipping into everyday people. And, you know, through osmosis, you can pick that up and it, it's not good. This is Social Fabric, conversations with people about their passion and their contribution to the community. For more information, go to socialfabric.ie. Between heaven and hell Said one was above, one was below the ground Who's gonna follow me down? Anyway, the whole, the whole premises of this project is that it, it just started off as a mental health yes. issue and then, then I thought, no, there's too many people doing that and I'm not qualified for that. So I just take a different angle and go from... Uh, conversation point of view and trying to inspire my my kids are 18 well 17 and a half and 15 and they seem to be a bit of a loss you yeah. know like most teenagers I was the same yeah no absolutely I, 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 I like the idea but I've listened to a few episodes oh, yeah. of oh, it great, and I just like the idea it's just a nice listen yeah thanks a minute for that the idea of, of it all is to talk to as many people as possible from different we're all the fabric of society is made out, out of all of us and uh, the main reason I wanted to talk to you uh, well, first of all, I listen to you, you on the radio. I listen to news talk all the time, and I listen Good to you to on hear. the radio. I've listened to a few of your uh, tech talk. I'm not a techie. I was in technology in the past, mm-hmm. but I'm not a techie. But uh, technology fascinates me. But because you're a public person, such as people, we know you through your voice and through your uh, your show. But I always like to get behind that and mm-hmm. see what's it all about. You know. So, Absolutely. first of all, I want to ask you a little bit about you. So. Where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? And uh, Dublin. I still live about five minutes away from where I grew up. So I, um, I'm from a family of six. So there's uh, four kids, and then my mum and my dad, and we all grew up um, in Carrick Mines in South County Dublin, Dublin 18. Um, and I now live in Leopardstown, which is <laughs> I can be at home in five minutes. I can walk home in five minutes, which is nice. That's great. And so when you were growing up. Um, what was it like then? I mean, you're a young woman, so it wasn't that long ago. But no, it feels uh, <laughs> like a long time ago. Um, we kind of had, like, I, I've said this a few times to, to my family that, you know, I was very lucky in that we kind of had the perfect childhood. We live very close to both sets of, well, my granny on my dad's side. Um, but then my uh, mother's father, uh, my granddad, Tony, lived up the road as well. So we were very close to him. My auntie lived close by. Um, I'm very close to all my siblings. We're all quite similar um, ages. My eldest sister is five years older. My brother's a year younger. And then my little sister's five years younger. So we're all quite close. Mm. Um, and we just had the best crack. Like we had really good fun the entire time. Spent a lot of time outside in the garden. And our neighbours had this big long driveway. And so myself and my brother in particular be running up and down there all day, every day doing God knows what. Like I, I don't know how we spent the time, but mm. we spent a lot of time outside on scooters kind of just faffing around. Just doing what you're supposed to be doing at that being age. Kids, really. yeah. Being kids, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting you say you're close to your granny and your granddad mm. and... Because uh, that's a, I had a conversation with Dave uh, Flynn last night of mm-hmm. the Happy Pair, and um, and they, they do a lot for the community. Yeah. And, uh, but as I was saying, I was talking to his dad before we, we put on the the microphone, and I was saying the community is very much what you put into. You know, it's, it's very easy to say, oh, there's nothing going on in this town. Yeah. And this, but 
I don't know your. I mean, I know your area now, but that is very built up and and has become like the hub of. Uh, it, it used to be the countryside, whereas yeah. now it's just an extension of the city. Because yeah. you know, mum used to drive us to school, and we'd have to go down these like windy roads up to Kiltiernan, and there were there were a lot of farms around the place, and it was a little bit isolated. Whereas now we have the M50 going through, we've Carrick Mines, we have like everything on our doorstep. But my dad. Um, like in terms of community, my dad would manage the football teams. So he'd be very well known and regarded up in, you know, Wayside and Balali Football Club and all that. Um, and I used to tag along. So my brother, because it says a lot about the times and it's not that long ago, but it was, you know, the boys team. And I obviously couldn't play on the boys team, even though I was better than all of them put together, but I couldn't play on it. So my dad used to say that I was the assistant coach. And when the lads, when all the boys got their tracksuits with their initials put on it, my dad got me one as well because I was the assistant coach. I had to get one. And so what I would do is like I would do all the admin bits. So I would write out who showed up for training and rat the ones out who didn't show up and, you know, do, do all that mm. sort of stuff. So I was involved. But my dad would have been and still is very kind of community based. And it's 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 nice. Like it's nice people, you know, taxi drivers now who pick me up like, oh, you're Billy Kelly's daughter. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Which is nice. Like it's nice to kind of have that, especially living in Dublin, because some people think that that's a very country thing that you'd know everybody in the local post office or whatever. But in our little hub in Dublin 18, it exists. That's great. Um, the format of this conversation, we always, I'll break it up with a song just because mm. uh, I, I like the idea. Yeah. And uh, you have the first one, you have Billy Joel. Yeah and, the reason, yeah, and the reason for that is because of my dad. So my dad is a huge Billy Joel fan, like absolutely massive. But they always, my mum and dad always tell me that when I was small, when I was about two years old, I used to walk up and down the hall in the house just singing River of Dreams to myself. I don't know, I have no recollection of it. But now every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, it's, it's part of my childhood. So I think it's kind of a nice place to start. talking about college and school what was school like for you um you know it's really funny so i went to a small enough school at the time uh, so i went to our lady of the wayside national school kiltiernan uh, which is a mouthful but i had great fun like i had good time and i think when you remember these things that it is always through rose tinted glasses but you know i had really good friends i liked our uniforms i was kind of the goody two shoes that would like suck up not suck up to the teachers but i would just get on well with the teachers and um i played a lot of gaelic i played hockey i played a good bit of sport um and i i just loved it i i really liked primary school and then i went to an irish secondary school called colosh isagon which 
I didn't like to begin with because I had no Irish. I left primary school with like pigeon, mm. less than pigeon Irish. And then I went to an all Irish secondary school where you would get into trouble if you spoke in English. And so every day from September to December, I cried for about two hours in the morning when I went into school because I couldn't understand what anyone was saying. And it felt so big in comparison to the small primary school and nobody knew who I was. And I was completely lost until I started playing Gaelic. So again, sport kind of, and it's the same with me for technology, but I found my tribe through playing on a team, which is nice. Um, so I played Gaelic from first year right up until fifth year. I think I gave up in sixth year. Um, but I loved it. I loved Klaus Isagan. I loved the community aspect again. I loved that everybody knew everybody. I did extracurricular things like I was on the uh, the Green Schools Committee and I did uh, like I digitised our library and I did really nerdy things like that. But it meant that I had an identity and a purpose and it meant that I was trusted as well. So the teachers knew that like I wasn't going to go on the hop because I was too scared to get in trouble mm-hmm. and they could trust me with things. And I, I I place a great value on being trusted and being seen as being responsible, which again is a bit square, but that's me. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and I heard you saying this before um, to other people, even on your own show, you know, the word nerd, nerdy mm. and square, but I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, there's it, it, not necessarily nerdy doing something like that. You know, you, you saw the, the need for it and you, and you, I did it, you yeah. put your hand up. You know, if you didn't put your hand up, the library wasn't digitized, so yeah. we need everybody. We need everybody in this, yeah, in this world. All if sorts. we all just went to play football all day, yeah. nothing would happen. But uh, but the one thing, because at the moment, as I say, my son is about to go into living cert. Mm-hmm. My daughter just did a junior cert, and um, and there's all this thing about points, you know, mm. uh, CEO say. Uh, and I, again, I heard you saying that you didn't get the points you wanted to do what you wanted to do. You ended up in arts college, yeah. UCD. Um, what's your view on that at the moment, like points and system, the education system, or what would you do? I think, you see, I don't know what I would do. I don't I don't like it. I do think it's a flawed system. And I think the pressure we put on people is unreal, particularly young people. And I don't, it, what happens is you place a greater value on someone who can do business and legal in UCD versus someone who can do Irish and geography under arts in UCD. And then you're creating this pecking order because someone got 500 points versus 430 points or whatever it may be. And I don't like that. I don't like the ranking system. You know, I remember being in school and hearing people saying, oh, I'm going to go to Trinity. Why are you going to go to Trinity? Oh, to say I went to Trinity. Like people had this attitude of... The superiority factor. People wanted to be better. They didn't care what they ended up doing. There was a few people in my year who went on to do B&L and UCD and they dropped out after the first year because they hated it. And they're still trying to figure out what they want to do now. So I just think we place emphasis on weird things. However, I don't have a better system. I don't have a suggestion that can do it. I think... um, We just... And it's something that I'm only realising now at 29... You don't have to have your life worked out by the time you're 19. You don't have to have this roadmap because life gets in the way. Things can happen. You can have a gorgeous, you know, map laid out of, you know, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to buy a house. And by the time I'm 30, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have an amazing job that earns 200,000 a year. That's not realistic. It's not. And like when you have amazing plans, there will always be a spanner thrown in the works. Like, it just doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be a spanner in the works. So I just think we need to build up our resilience a bit more to that. Um, but 
like my favorite thing now is that I don't have all the answers and I'm accepting that and I'm aware of that and I'm delighted because the pressure that you put yourself under when you think you need to have everything worked out it's suffocating mm. and I think people are blaming and I don't want to go on the defensive here but people are blaming technology for you know the rise in anxiety in young people but society has a lot to do that with that as well. Like it's not just technology, it's TV, it's the newspapers, it's the, the standards that people want us to, to, to reach. There's that thing, you know, parents want their kids to have the lives that they never had. It, all this feeds in massively to create a bit of a pressure bubble. Yeah, no, I agree. One very quick thing about the school and the, the technology what would your view be on um, like we we started watching a thing on Netflix called the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. I'm from Rome and I should know everything about it. I don't. Yeah. And I'm learned more. I've learned more in the last three episodes of that yeah. particular show. And it was my wife said it. Would that not be the best way to teach our kids something like that? It's it's a very good show. This. Yeah, like I think we do need to embrace more technology in the classroom for everything. So I wasn't naturally academic I find it hard to read like history for example and this sounds really bad and I probably shouldn't admit it but anyway I don't know much about history I don't know and I seem to be doing okay without that knowledge but I would like to know more but I remember sitting in history class in secondary school and just being like being told to learn off all these dates and learn off all these definitions and it just didn't suit my brain I'm better when I can, if I have a conversation, if you, te- if you tell me everything about your life now, I'll remember every detail because I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. This passive thing of read this text and regurgitate yeah. it, just like literally just vomit it out onto a page, <laughs> off you go. That didn't suit me. Yeah. Whereas I think there are, and I've interviewed a few, some of them on my show, there are uh, companies and Irish companies at that that are looking at how we can transform the education system. Um, I met a brilliant teacher. I can't remember his name now, but he he embraces flip learning. And so flip learning, um, what this particular teacher does is he records videos, very basic videos of him teaching maths, for example. So he'll teach you um, Pythagoras' theorem in a video. And your homework is to watch that video. And then when you come in to the class, you're then doing what traditionally would have been homework. So you, you have to come in and you have 40 minutes to try and answer three problems using the theorem. But the teacher is there to support you doing your homework rather than a parent who hasn't got a clue. Yeah. And it's just, it's a small little thing that is making a big difference. The kids seem to be really into it. They seem to get more from the videos because they're only 10 minutes long versus, you know, a 30-minute lesson. Um, so I, I do think there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, but I think there are obviously a, a lot of barriers to changing the education, education system from the cost side of things, from broadband side of things, from the teachers who aren't tech-savvy and who have no interest in embracing technology. Like, there's the like it's a long road to to, sure. to that and we're not going to find the solution in this room today anyway we might do <laughs> but uh your next song is uh, snow by the red hot chili pepper yeah this is a song that so my sister my older sister was a huge fan of the chili peppers and we shared a room i shared a room with her and my younger sister for years and so i kind of picked up her music taste because there was no other choice like we <laughs> i didn't get to put a cd on she just put them on all the time but snow by the chili peppers is one of those songs and music is really important to me no matter what mood i'm in whether i'm happy sad cranky whatever 
when I hear this song it just makes me happy so on days when like my alarm goes off at quarter past five every morning and on days when I'm walking to the Lewis in the pitch black and it's raining and I'm just not into it I put this on and this is kind of my go-to song pretty much every morning it just makes me really really happy Come to the side that the things that I tried were in my lap just to get high on When I sit alone come get a little known but I need more than myself this time Step from the road to the sea to the sky and I do believe that we rely on When I lay it on come get to play it on all my life to sacrifice Hey yo, listen what I One thing, um, I thought it was a great line, you'll never say no to an opportunity. Mm. Um, and uh, that brought you to make coffee here for a couple of years. And I just sat in the reception here in New Stoke for the last 10 minutes. Uh, it was great. I purposely came in a little bit earlier to see what the, the buzz the vibe, was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's a, it, there's a lot of coffee being made you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I used to make it before we had the machine I had to you know make crappy instant coffee with getting the right the right ratio of milk and all the rest I'm still awful at it but I did it but uh, but that was great I mean you really you, you took the plunge and said okay well I'm going to do something every weekend or whatever it was mm. you started off to, to get myself into something that you know while I'm studying something that I don't really want to do like, you were saying arts wasn't really arts your wasn't thing. for me like the thing is I just felt lost in yeah. UCD I hated it and you know you're talking about community and all the rest I just didn't feel part of it there was mm. loads of different societies in UCD but none of them really appealed to me and I, I just didn't fit in and it was at a stage when I was like okay so I'm not going to be a teacher like I didn't get the points for teaching I don't know what I'm doing and I'm hanging around with all these people none of whom I can identify with so let's find something to do with all this free time so I got on to, to all the radio stations and the only one that got back to me was News Talk and News Talk you know nobody wanted to be getting up at five in the morning on a Saturday and a Sunday to come in and make tea and coffee for free but I did it and it suddenly became my hobby and I remember my mum and dad saying to me and a few of my friends used to take the piss because it meant I couldn't go out on a Friday night. They're like, why are you doing that? And, you know, my mum and dad were, they were happy for me to do it for a few weeks and then they were like, this is eating into a lot of your time. But my point was, I didn't play sport anymore at that stage. This was my hobby. I loved it. Like I would have paid News Talk to let me come in and hang out. And um, as I said, you know, I've learned. I learned so much during that time. That became my education, and I hold all of the stuff that I learned during that time very close to me. But I also have a greater respect for interns that come in now. Sometimes in- interns, and not I'm not talking about News Talk now. I'm talking about in general. Sometimes people can look down upon interns, going, "Oh, just get out of the way. Like you're in the way." Whereas I tried to go out of my way to to help them because I was that soldier. And I don't think, I don't know if I have a chip on my shoulder about it, but I I don't think I've ever learned or lost that that intern mentality. Like I'm still grateful to be here. And even now when somebody needs something, I'll help them if I can. You know, I don't, Mm. I, I kind of, it's a mental thing to be able to work in a radio station. Like I get to play with phones and computers and meet amazing people and get paid for it. Like that's incredible. No, but it is fabulous that you went through that because I mean, in 
previous generation, you had to do an apprenticeship. Yeah. Well, that doesn't didn't matter what job you were doing. You had to go in and do your your time. And now we don't do that uh-huh. anymore. That's that was your apprenticeship, which is fantastic. Yeah. You ended up being a, a researcher for Moncrief. Yes. What does a researcher do? A researcher is one of the most important people in a production team in a radio show. So this is something that I didn't know until I worked in radio. But um, so there's a few different positions on a radio team typically. So there's the researcher, there's a producer, and then there's a presenter. Um, and the researcher comes up with the ideas. So like, what are we going to talk about today? So the Moncrief show, for example, I think it's a two hour show. So in that two hour show, there are blocks of time that they have to fill. So what show I'm going to talk about? So we, myself, another researcher called Claire Sutton and the producer Caroline Clark would meet every day at half 10 and we would throw out ideas. So whether it was a new book, whether it was a Vox Pop that we wanted the reporter Henry McKean to go and do, if it was just something that we thought was funny, we'd talk about all those ideas and then we would do the briefs for Sean. So now, Sean is a brilliant brain. He doesn't really need that much research content. But even when I worked on the Pat Kenny show, it was the same. You would do the briefs for Pat. So you would, you know, uh, call the guest, book the guest, uh, do a pre-interview with them. So you would do basically a mock interview of what would happen on air. You'd get their feedback, get their points, write that down for the presenter, write the questions, give some background content, and then give that to the presenter. And the second you hand over that brief, you're on to the next one and on to the next show. Yeah. And the researcher... Like I have such respect for researchers because it's a really difficult job, but it's also a very difficult or, or like it's it's difficult, but it's also very intense. And sometimes people and I had it myself, there were guests that I called to pre-interview and they'd be so rude to you down the phone because you don't matter. You're just a researcher. They just wanted to talk to the presenter. So it's, it's almost a thankless job sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's so important because if the researcher doesn't do their job properly then the presenter looks like an idiot. Mm. And you only figure out the importance of a researcher when something goes wrong. So if a guest intro is wrong, so, you know, if someone called me, you know, Jessica Keating, I'd be outraged. I'd be like, you got my name wrong. But that's the researchers. Like, it's the researchers bag. Uh, You know, phone numbers, getting the phone numbers right so that when the producer goes to call them, that it's the correct number. All of these basic things, the researcher just has to do as second nature. Um, so I have huge respect for for researchers. I think it's it's a very tough job, and it takes some really talented brains to to get things done. Brilliant. But now you have your own show, which is um, it's been going on for a long seven months seven now. Seven months, very good. Yeah. And it's a weekly show now mm-hmm. on um, on News Talk on the Sunday. Sunday evenings at six, and then it goes podcast first on a Friday as well. So. Yeah, and that's. Uh, do you have your own researchers now, or do you do your all yourself? No, I do it all myself. <laughs> okay. So I research, uh, produce, edit, and present. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, does it take long to do all that? Is it? A f- is it? F- do you do you spend a lot of time at it? I do. Yeah, like it. it it's like I do. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work. Um, but again, it's my passion project. So, like my full time job, what I guess what it says on my contract is technology correspondent. Okay. So that full time job is feeding in different reports to different shows. So, like as soon as I'm done talking to you, I have an interview to do for my own show. Then I'm going out to do a report for the Hard Shoulder, which will go out on the Hard Shoulder this evening. Then tomorrow, I'm recording more of my show. So I kind of. I, I'm quite organised and I think you have to be organised to work in, in radio. Well, you don't have to be, but it, it suits me to be organised mm. working in radio because I look at everything kind of like a game of Tetris and you try and slot everything in the different parts. Um, but when it comes to Tech Talk, it's like my new hobby. So News Talk used to be my hobby that I got a job. Uh, then I'm now Tech Correspondent, um, which is my main focus. But the show is my hobby and it's my passion project. So I don't 
sweat over it. I'm starting to enjoy it now. I, I like finding people to talk to and slotting things in. I'm never stuck for something to talk about because there's always so much going on. Um, but I I love every second of it. It's still weird to me that I have a show. Like every time I hear the little jingle of the station voice saying my name, I'm like, oh my that's God, he's saying my name. <laughs> like, <laughs> hashtag famous. Um, you have a song. That's the only song I didn't know out of the selection. Night of the Long Knives. Everything, everything. So Everything, Everything are a Man- uh, Manchester band and they're my favourite band. They are just so cool. I saw them first at Forbidden Fruit a few years ago and since then I have literally followed them around the place. They're brilliant. Uh, but the reason I picked this song is because it's the sig tune. It's the, um, the music for my show. So when I got my own show, the first thing I thought about was not, oh my God, I'm going to have a national radio show. It was what's going to be the sig tune. <laughs> Because again, music is such an important part of my life. And so I sat down with Neil Kavanagh, who's the head of imaging here at uh, News Talk. And he was like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, am I allowed to pick one? And he's like, yeah. So we sat in the meeting room uh, not far from where we're sitting now and we played a few tracks and I kind of knew I wanted it to be Everything Everything. They had just released a new album and I listened to it on repeat, like constantly on repeat even now I still listen to it on repeat Uh, but this song Night of the Long Lives it has a nice little intro which we basically just swiped we do pay for it so don't give out to us but uh, we now use it and I love it but it's really funny it's kind of ruined the song for me because every time I hear it I kind of like go to talk in on my bit where the beat drops Uh, but they're just a great band show goes out on podcasts on the Friday and then on on the, on, on the Sunday goes out on, on air yeah that's the one thing I love radio and I always listen to the radio but now I'm becoming more and more uh, listening to a lot more podcasts mm-hmm. simply because I'm finding things that I'm passionate about that I'm interested about and I'm not the only one yeah that's uh, What's going to happen? What's going to happen to radio? What What does radio have to do to catch up with them? Because it's, it's the Netflix TV syndrome. Yeah, uh, but like what I love at the moment is being part of that changeover. So it is happening. People mm. want things at times that suit them. Like I can't remember the last time I sat down and watched something on the TV mm. because it was going out at 6pm. So it is the on-demand thing, uh, which is what podcasts are. Podcasts are there. But like you could put in any subject into iTunes and you'll find a podcast Mm. about it. But then it comes down to the quality of the podcast. Like, does it sound good or is it a bad listen? The caliber of the guests, how is it edited? So you could find my podcast, which is a tech podcast, and you could find another podcast from God knows where. Mine is recorded in a radio studio versus in somebody's bedroom Mm -hmm. with like echoey tiles and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's always going to be a need for high quality talk output. I think 
you'll always need live radio. Like when something happens, I remember, and this is an awful example, but the terror attacks in Paris that happened on November 13, two years ago now, mm. almost two years ago. We, it was one of my friend's birthdays, so we were out having a drink down the road and we got a push notification from the BBC that something was going on in Paris. And so we left, we literally put our bottles of beer down. It killed me because they were still full bottles of beer, <laughs> but we put the bottles of beer down. We came back into the office and we worked through the night to put together live coverage starting at six o'clock the next morning. So we were here until two o'clock in the morning, setting it all up. We went home, we slept, showered, came back in and we were live for the entire day, bringing people the latest, what they needed to know, mm. how to contact the the embassy to check if your friends and family were okay. Times like that show you why you need live radio. It can't be automated. It can't be pre-recorded. You need people on the ground. And the same with elections, the same with political, like any, there's so much going on at the world in, uh, in the world at the moment that you need the beating heart, which is live radio. Absolutely, you can have your, your podcast and stuff like technology lends itself well to that. Same with sport. Like there are certain things sure. that pre-record, but talk radio, I think, in particular, is always going to be there. I think it's harder for music radio if auto, uh, if artificial intelligence can do a Spotify playlist for me that knows me better than my favourite music, music radio station, why would I listen to ads on, on a radio station when I can just listen to Spotify? So I think the challenge is going to be for music radio to try and, um, you know, catch people's attention. Things like talk radio, though, I think th- there's still a need for... The well, live element. No, I agree, and, and I, lo- I, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't do without it. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's a great service. And uh, it, it, interesting, you mentioned artificial intelligence. That was one of my questions. I was really keen to see uh-huh. your view on it. Like you, you I know you, you uh, reviewed Echo, the Echo Dot, and Google Echo Dot, and But there's a lot more artificial artificial intelligence in front of us and our phones and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what's your view on it? I mean, are you worried about? It? No. Uh, I have bigger fish to fry. I think mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, it, like it's all about how you use it. Technology is an amazing thing <laughs> if you use it to make your life easier. And that's the whole point. It's the same as mm-hmm. any other tool. It's the reason why we drive cars. It's the reason we have public transport. It's to make your life easier. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared about it. I think there have been applications of it that I'm not mad about. Um, and I don't like when the the my phone in particular, I don't like when it tries to outsmart me. You know, when it, you get the notification going, it's 6.45, you should be on the Lewis. And you're like, you should do one. Like, just go away or I'll throw you out the window. So I don't like when it bosses me around. But when Spotify makes a playlist that makes my day or, you know, when it saves me time, I'm all about it. I think we need to embrace it. I just think at the moment what we're doing is we're seeing a lot of proof of concepts from technology giants to show off what they can do and the capability of the technology. I think it's going to be another two or three years before we're fully integrated into the day to day. Like if you think about contactless payments for example very basic example so it wasn't that long ago that you could pay by check like you could literally write your name sign your signature and hand in a check then it went we have the ATMs which was very exciting and you could put in your pin and you could take cash out then you could do chip and pin now you can do contactless now you can pay with your phone it's all convenience Mm -hmm. and it's making our lives easier so why don't we just embrace it? I mean, if I told you, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, you'd be paying with a mobile telephone, you would have laughed at me. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. a done thing. Yeah, I agree. 
The Chain, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. What a song. Fleet, like, so Fleetwood Mac, I, 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 they make me so happy. <laughs> um, and this song, I kind of, I, I know a lot of people do this, but, you know, uh, music is so tied to individual memories for me. And there are a few memories that are tied to this song, The Chain. Um, and one of them is driving back from Electric Picnic a few years ago with my friend and uh, we just had it up full blast. I think we listened to the whole of Rumours a few <laughs> times, but it's one of the best driving songs. I don't drive, so I'm always in the passenger seat, so I kind of get control of the playlists. And uh, I just put this on, driving back, having had a great weekend in really good form, slightly fragile, but like really good form. And again, it just, it puts a smile on my face when I hear it. And I would highly encourage everybody, if you don't already have a copy of Rumours, just go and buy it right now. Like, put your phone down, take your headphones out and go and buy it. Because it's just incredible. ask you a few things about social media so as I was saying to you at the beginning looking at my kids looking at social media and their use and I was really worried for a couple of years um, because I didn't really understand it mm-hmm. then I start to to use it to a, to a certain extent but then I start to realize hang on maybe my the way as a 50 year old man uses social media it can't be the same as a teenager using no. social media and and now I'm starting to understand that their way of playing and work, you know, communicating with it is completely different the way I do it. Um, am I right not to be too worried? I think you should be worried. I think not like not losing sleep worried, but I think you need to be vigilant mm-hmm. because like no two people use social media in the same way. And that's what frustrates me when I see all these big surveys and stats posted about all teenagers are sexting. They're not. I can tell you now they're not. Um, And I think there's a little bit of scaremongering out there. I think the knowledge gap is quite vast in between teenagers, people my age, and then people a little bit older. Um, It's quite vast. I think what we need to do is try and work so that it's closing but I think communication and education are the two things that will do that so if you are unsure of something if a new app comes out tomorrow and all the kids are using it and you are worried as a parent as to what your child might be doing there's nothing stopping you downloading that app setting up an account and just interacting with it you don't have to post selfies you don't have to follow Kim Kardashian just get familiar with the infrastructure of the app and see how you block someone and report something. Uh, so if your child comes to you saying something bad has happened, you can then react. I think, you know, I get so many emails every day of the week from parents saying they feel powerless. Powerless is a horrible word, but it's one that comes into my inbox most frequently from parents mm. because they can't. This is an area of their child's life where they have no input, like literally none. 
and like if you don't want your kid going out at night or if your kid sneaks out of the house you can follow them down the road whereas you can't do that online because there's so much anonymity and everything is encrypted now so I do think you need to be worried I think you need to be vigilant but I also think you need to be proactive in terms of how you're dealing with this and it starts with a conversation I was going to say that because you mentioned something earlier on which was very interesting Um, and that was my initial thought oh the mental health and the the kids especially in teenagers it's, it's quite rife but is it because we talk more about it? Is it because it's more out there through social media? Or is it because of social media? You were saying it's not to do just with social no. media. You know, it's, it's, it's a society yeah. as a whole. So it, probably the same with this. Uh, yes, you need to be worried. Yes, you need to have a conversation. But at the end of the day, it's what you what your child or learns from you as a family mm-hmm. and, uh, and how they use technology. I would like to think, and I'm pretty sure that my kids use it too, communicated with their friends and and it, it, another question I had for you because it, I'm, I'm watching this for the last few years and to me it sounds like they it looks like that uh, social media is becoming just a vehicle for communication pretty much nothing else they don't seem to care too much about the Kim Kardashian of mm. this world the, the, the influencers the yeah whatever. no it, it is it's it's absolutely at its core technology is a communicate or like social media is a communication tool but there are things that can slip through osmosis mm. from, like, even if you don't follow an influencer, there are aspects of the influencer culture slipping into mm. everyday people. And, you know, through osmosis, you can pick that up and it, mm. it's not good. You know, you see normal people, normal teenagers, normal women in their 20s posting these side by side comparison photos of themselves back when they were a size 14 which was the end of the world and now they're a size 10 and they're looking for the likes and the congratulations and I don't know that that's the side of things that makes me not worried but just kind of sigh a little mm-hmm. bit um I I use social media, I use Instagram. Instagram is my favourite thing and I do the Insta stories. And some people say to me, like, why do you do that? Are you not embarrassed for yourself? I'm like, no, like it's good crack. It's like a dear diary thing. And, mm. you know, my job is a little bit different. So why wouldn't I take people along when I'm doing mm. weird things? But I don't do it for validation. Mm. I very often do it to kill time. Like I spend, I can't tell you how much of my life I spend in airports and train stations and waiting for guests. And so it's a nice way for me to kill time. But if I don't get likes on a photograph I'm not going to go and cry myself to sleep (laughs) like I don't care I use Instagram primarily to document things and as a memory tool I like it Mm -hmm. but I I do worry when I see grown adults whether they're men or women fishing for likes Mm. it makes me kind of worried yeah, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm, my optimistic view on it is that it's going that way because you're not the only person that is, spoke that way to say, I don't really care whether I get it mm. like or not. I'm doing it for my own uh, reasons. And so that's my optimistic view. Talking Heads, this must be the place. Yeah. Specifically from uh, Stop Making Sense album. Yeah, it has, has to be. Has to some, be that one, yeah. yeah. so Stop Making Sense. <laughs> this is something that I watch with my boyfriend. So my boyfriend is a big music head. And, you know, we live together and we have a gorgeous record collection and a gorgeous record player. I'm not allowed to touch any of it. It's like I, <laughs> I like to talk to him. <laughs> I'm not allowed to even look at it sideways. Um, but a few years ago, uh, his parents kind of have a big barge boat down on the Shannon. And a few years ago, we went down and we were sitting playing cards and he just put on Stop Making Sense, which I'd never seen before. So it's like a cinematic uh, 
concert and it's just so beautifully produced and David Byrne is weird and wonderful and just incredible but this is them at their best um, and this is one of my favourite songs but it just has to be this version So you, what do you do to unwind? Okay, you've just been to, you're going to Electric Picnic, which is great. Yeah. Uh, you going this year? I think so, yeah. I'm hoping to go. It's kind of... Work or pleasure? Uh, it would probably be a bit of both. Great. So again, I'm very good at kind of mixing the <laughs> two of them, I have to say. And as I get older, I'm kind of more um, relaxed. I don't feel as guilty. Like, this is something that a lot of us have this guilt and you often read about presenteeism and all that kind of stuff. I don't have that and I never have the urge to do that because to go back to what I said at the beginning, you know, I'm trusted in here and and they know that I'm not going to go on the hop. Like I have a great relationship with my bosses and so if I say I'm going down to Electric Picnic to record an interview and then end up posting a picture of a beer on Instagram, they're not going to be like, oh, outrageous. <laughs> they trust me that I'm going to get my job done and then I can go off and enjoy myself. And I love having that relationship. And again, that trust that they have in me is just invaluable to me. Um, so I am hoping to go down to Electric Picnic this year. Um, there's just It's a busy time of year. So around September is always a busy time of year, but I'm hoping to go down anyway. And uh, so what do you do? Uh, you say you, you stop sports in six years, mm. six, six year, whatever. So, yeah, stop. fifth or six year, yeah. And uh, did you go back into any sports? No. Any, no. Any, any fitness activities, anything you I do? Go, I go, I tried to get back into running. Um, like, so for a few years, I was <laughs> kind of, I was quite good about it. But I have a little niece and a nephew now and they're three and two. And any free time I have, I kind of hang out with them. And, you know, I run it like yesterday evening, I was running around the garden with them for an hour and that, that exhausts you more <laughs> than playing, you know, a 90 minute match. So uh, I I, go, I still go for runs and um, Carl Henry and I kind of have this social media thing where every time I go for a run, I document it and he sends me a gold star. I'm like a child with a reward <laughs> chart. He just sends it to me and it makes me happy. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't really do the team sports Thing, and this might sound a bit cranky but because for my job I have to talk not have to but because I talk to people all day long and as you said we work in an open plan office that's quite busy when I get out of work I kind of just want either quiet time <laughs> just yeah, to yeah. sit and breathe and decompress or uh, just spend time with my boyfriend or my or, or my niece and my nephew and just kind of chill yeah yeah because I heard you saying you, you, you're giving yourself uh, an hour for Free, phone free phone, hour, phone yeah. Free hour. Is it an hour? One hour enough? Um, I could probably do with more. Uh, but in terms of practicality, like I could get a phone call any time of the day or night, uh, work related, and 
you know, people would be like, oh, just ignore it. And when I'm off and if I'm on annual leave, I will ignore it. Sure. But it could be a breaking story. It could be that, you know, the, the guys here in News Talk need an item done or something. So I try to to always be available where possible. Um, but I don't think, I'm not, as I said, a few years ago, I was very insecure and I was, oh my God, someone please text me just so I can be validated as a human. Like on the days <laughs> when my phone don't doesn't buzz, I'm so happy. I'm like, oh my God, I got through the entire day. That doesn't happen very often. Um, so I don't have it on to, to as a distraction anymore and I'm not kind of glued to it as I watch TV and all that stuff. I'm I'm more detached from it than I used to be, but I, given the, given the nature of my job and that my sister has two young kids and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I like being contactable. Sure. Yeah, no, but that's great. But you, you strike me as a, as a very balanced uh, Mm. <laughs> I have my days. <laughs> well, I'm sure you do. I'm sure we all do. But I mean, uh, you have you find your free time and you get your your walks or your yeah. Your, that's that's all. But you again, need that's to. music is a big part of that. Really like too, nothing yeah. makes me happier. Sometimes you know, if I've had a stressy day, there was a period there about a month ago where I was just in a bit of a rut, and I didn't know why I was in a rut. I was just exhausted, and I couldn't shake it. And so what I did was I purposely got off the Lewis two stops early. And just walked the long way with a bit of music on just to kind of shake me out of it. And it works. It just detaches you from uh, like what you're thinking about. It takes you away from emails. Sure. I love just walking around. You'll never see me walking around without a pair of headphones on. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, but no, absolutely. I can kind of get stuck, not stuck in a rut, but you know the way everyone just goes through a bit of a wobble of sure. like, oh, I'm sure. so tired. We all do. We yeah. all do. Last second last song Seasons Future Future Islands yeah again another song that just makes me stupidly happy so I found Future Islands a few years ago uh, there was a period of I'd say about 10 months when I was working here in Newstalk where we would just go to Whelan's every Friday night so we would leave the office around 3 o'clock we'd go for a few drinks and then we'd end up in Whelan's until 4 in the morning and they were some of my most fun days and the one song that kind of stands out aside from there's so many there's so much great music played Whelan's but this song came on and you just see the place going absolutely insane and I was lucky enough again at Electric Picnic two years ago to see them play it live and I had just finished, I was hosting an event for Science Gallery down there, it was on the Saturday and I thought I was going to miss them because my event was on until 4 o'clock and I think Future Islands were only playing until 4.15 so I was desperate to see them and I didn't want to miss this one song and I just finished the event and I ran out from the minefield area to the front stage and they were playing it and it, again it's just that clear memory like when I hear the song I can picture that exact moment uh, and it makes me again very happy
I'm conscious of the time and everything. But Sabonta, as you just mentioned there, uh, you were hosting an event and you, you're doing something this week or next week. Uh, you're on a panel with um, Jamie Slip. Oh yeah, the uh, WeWork event. The WeWork event. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, the wonderful lady um, Alva Keen. Oh yes, from Easy Wheels. Yes. When you go into you're judging there, you're just a panel. I'm hosting. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I think there's a panel discussion, and so I'll be hosting um, for. I think it's an hour, but yeah, it should be good fun. Okay. Um, Just curious with all these people you meet, and uh, Mm. especially in your technology. a lot of ideas, a lot of stuff you see when you're traveling for, be it mm-hmm. Samsung or Apple, whatever maybe. Is there anything there that sparks you go, oh, any ent- entrepreneur? Oh, totally, all the time. And you're going, I should do something. All the time. Yeah. And then you Google it and you turn out, it turns out that someone smarter than me has already <laughs> done it. Um, but, you know, I do. I, I kind of, I, I always think of things. And what I used to do when I was younger so my dad is a phone engineer and he used to work for Aircom and Telecom, Aaron, and he would have old phones, like proper landline phones that he would take apart and like change the wiring and put them together. And I'd watch him doing that. And then when I was a teenager, I used to take laptops apart and build Frankenstein laptops. I love breaking things and putting mm-hmm. them back together again. And I have that very curious brain. I don't just want to look at something. I want to know how it works and why it works and how can I break it. Um, <laughs> and so... I do, like, there, there are always little like, ideas that pop into my brain, but as I said, they, someone else has already done it or I'm not arsed. Like, there's always a reason not to do mm-hmm. these things. But for the moment, I'm kind of pretty happy doing what I'm doing. Like, even though I wasn't an academic child, I still love learning. Sure. It's my favourite thing. I love meeting people that I have no clue about sure. and finding out what they do and how they do it and why they do it. Um, so I'm pretty happy in what I'm at Great. And uh, so the last thing I'm going to ask you then, um, it seemed to be a, a natural um, evolution. So you, you now you have your own radio show. I mean, you're doing some stuff on TV mm. already. Is there plans for a, a TV program? Have you, <laughs> have you any plans on that? Is there some, no. No? Is there something would you, you would like to do? or Maybe, yeah. Like, again, I never say no to an opportunity, uh, but I'm very much focused on trying to get better at what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Like, I still think there's so much for me to do in radio. And, like, TV is weird because people see what you look like and they <laughs> see what you do with your hands and if your fringe is brushed and if you've got makeup on. I come in here like a 15-year-old boy every day of the week, looking appalling, sit behind a mic going, hiya, and nobody ever knows. Whereas on telly, you know, the first time I did the TV, I do the 6 o'clock show on TV3 and the first time I was on, a friend of mine was like, you talk with your hands a lot. <laughs> I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> and like, yeah, no, you're just, you're very handsy. And I was like, I hear, like I have to worry about my hands because I, I, I fidget a lot. I'm a fidgeter. Yeah. And on radio, nobody ever knows. Like nobody knows that when I come in here to record my show, I swing around in the chair for 20 minutes and I doodle on my notebook and I sip coffee and I cough and I have a blooper reel that's about seven hours long. (laughs) Nobody knows these things, whereas in telly, it's completely different. So I love radio. Radio is my bag. Well, just I could talk to you for hours, but... um I won't, not today. I might come back. But just, <laughs> Always uh, welcome back. Leave us uh, with a couple of words of wisdom for any of the young people listening. What would you say to any young person listening to us? Uh, I would say stop freaking yourself out because even if you think you're not freaking yourself out, there are days when you freak yourself out, so stop. Excellent. Like your life is very long. You're going to be doing it for years. <laughs> but also, don't, like you don't have to... Th- 
you don't have to know what you are in life. I think it's better to know what you're not. Like, I don't bow to peer pressure even now. I don't do it. So just try and figure out what you want to be. Uh, but don't be afraid to say you don't know and just figure your way through life. Sounds wonderful. And the last song we're going to leave you with, uh, it's uh, Ants. By Ham Sandwich. Ham Sandwich are one of the best Irish bands. They're very good. They're just so good. And the energy they bring when they're playing live. I saw them in the Academy last year and then I saw them at Groove Festival a few weeks ago. And I just love them. They are so much fun. And I don't think that, uh, you know, we as a country celebrate them the way we should. They're just incredible. Uh, And Ants is by far one of my favourite songs of all time. Jess Kelly, thanks a million for your time. Thank you. Much appreciated. That was great. I'm assuming you recorded all that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It will be interesting too. We can do it again. She's in the middle of two fallen lovers Gets tossed around in the eye of stone Hiding out in the thoughts of others Can't keep your hands inside my So I can call your friend.